Amen. Good morning. Good to be here in God's house. Good to hear you singing. And as we lift up our praise to our God who can change our lives in a mighty way. Amen. He has the power to save and he does. And we rejoice in that fact. You know, I found though that even though our God is so powerful and to change our lives that sometimes even us as God's people struggle in dealing with our habits and breaking some bad habits that have been ingrained. Anybody testify to that? All right. Good. It's not just me. All right. Good. That's good to know. Feel better. Much better. Yes. You know, there was a, there was a man I was reading about who, uh, uh-oh, who said uh-oh? <laughs> there was a man who uh, had a country home on a lake, and he, he was getting tired of flying to the airport then making the commute to the lake, so he decided to equip his plane with, what are those, plantoons? What, is that what, what are they? Floats? Okay, so he decided to do that. And he, that way he would stop the commute to his house, and his plane would be right there. So him and his wife decided one weekend to go to their country home, and they get in their plane, they fly, and just as he normally would do, he headed towards that airport. And, but as he was coming to the to landing, his wife realized that he had the floats and not the landing gear. And so right at the last minute, she screamed out and shook her husband and says, listen, you don't have the landing wheels. You got to, you know, do something. So he swooped up and, wow, you know, and he took off and headed for their country home and he came by the lake and he landed. And so then he, you know, when they stopped, he goes, thank you so much. That was going to be the most stupidest thing I have ever done. And then he opened the door and fell in the lake. <laughs> All right. All right. Habits are hard to break. Amen. Sometimes these deep ingrained habits are just a challenge. And we want to change them, but it is just really difficult. It's like the guy who wanted to start an exercise program, and he was bragging and said, hey, every morning I do 20 sit-ups. And then he continued and said, I would do more, but the alarm clock only goes off so many times. It's true. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Amen. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's true. We've, God has created us all uniquely. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But we do live in bodies that have been tainted by sin and cause us challenges in our lives. We also have experienced different kinds of circumstances in our lives that help shape the way we respond to things. It's amazing how these experiences influence us even today. You know, one person may struggle with inferiority because their parents constantly put them down. Another may struggle with trust issues because someone dear to them has hurt them. But on the positive, it's also true that there are those who experience good things where you've had uh, maybe parents who are loving and encouraging and, 
and have given you a sense that you can share that with others. So experiences happen in our lives that help shape us. And those good ones, that's great. But, you know, those bad ones, that's a little tougher to deal with, right? And so how do we get rid of those issues that keep us in ruts? How do we transform ourselves and get rid of these hurts and these hang-ups and these habits? Well, obviously, the answer is God. He is the source. And I'm afraid sometimes, though, when somebody is struggling in a habit or a hang-up, the answer you get is, well, just go home and pray about it. Now, listen, I don't want to minimize that because that is a source of strength and help because I ultimately believe that it is God who helps. It is God who heals us, not helps. It is God who heals us. And so I think that prayer is an appropriate step for us to go and lay it down at God's feet and say, God, I'm struggling with this habit. Help me deal with this. Absolutely, that should be what we should do. But I think what happens, though, is sometimes we kind of think it's somewhat abracadabra. I pray this prayer, and that's that. God will take it totally away. Well, that doesn't happen. Not, at least not all the time. You know, God isn't some genie that we just kind of, you know, rub the thing and get our wishes. You know, sometimes it, you know, God really removes that from us. But, you know, there's also a responsibility on our end. We sometimes need to put feet to our prayers. You know, I, I, I'm just, sometimes we view Christianity as just really this I want to say too mystical at times. Almost, like I said, abracadabra. I pray, I read my Bible, and that's that. I should be changed. Well, it's not going to happen if you don't do what it says. There is a responsibility on our end when it comes to helping us grow in faith. The Bible is clear that God works in our lives, but brethren, we have a responsibility in this too. There is our end. And that's one of those mysteries in the Bible that I can't quite totally understand. But I know God works, and then I have my end to do. But ultimately, it is God who works in and through me. Apostle Paul is going to give us some insight this morning on dealing with these habits and hurts in our lives. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This morning... I am speaking to us as believers. If you've come to a place where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then what I'm going to say makes sense. But if you don't believe, well, then talking about, what I'm, about the Word of God really doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the first thing you've got to do is believe in Jesus Christ and believe what the Word says in that light. So it begins with that. In the book of Romans, and we're going to look at chapter 12, we see that Paul has taken 11 chapters to talk about this great theology. I mean, it's the Mount Everest of theology. Paul shares all these great theological truths about how God is righteous and how we were all sinners and how Christ came and took our place and took on our sin. It's a great passage. But in verse chapter 12, he shifts. 
And he starts talking about the practical outworking of our theology, of what we believe. This is how it looks like in my life. And so we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, but primarily verses 2 this morning. So let's look. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, based on all that I've said to you so far, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in light of what God has done for you, how gracious and merciful he is to you, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then he goes on. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I want to stop right there. Paul is saying that for us children of God, that we are to live a life of worship. Now, many times we think worship just happens, or I shouldn't say we, but a lot of times people have a wrong conception of what worship is. They think it's just something we do here on Sunday mornings as we sing. Worship is the way I live my life 24-7. Every day, we are to live a life of worship. Every day, in every circumstance, in every area of your life. If there's one thing that we need to just remove from our thoughts is this dichotomy of my religious life and my secular life. That's not scriptural. Your life is hid in Jesus Christ every day. That's when you're the student. That's when you are an employee. That is when you are with your friends. That's when you're with your neighbors. That's when you're with your families. Every aspect of our lives should be lived in worship to our God. It's true. That is what God has called us to do. We are to live in a way that brings him glory and honor. And really, this verse speaks of this. It speaks to a decisive commitment. A decisive commitment. I mean, we're to lay ourselves out as sacrifices, a living sacrifice, one who's living for the glory of God. That's what Paul's saying. Look, based on all I've told you, this is the way we're to live. But verse 2 will speak to how we can maintain that choice. I mean, I think we've heard, we're very familiar with this passage. We know that we are to live in a way that brings God glory and honor in every area of my life. But, you know, the reality is we do still struggle with things that don't reflect God's glory in our lives. And verse 2 speaks to how to maintain that choice. And he begins by giving us an admonition. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Don't be conformed to the values and thoughts of this world, but be transformed. You know, I just, I love the way he writes in this passage. He is just saying, don't wear a mask. That's what it means to be conformed. 
don't wear a mask. When I conform my life to the values of this world, I am wearing a mask of who I really am in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. I believe it's Ken Weiss who has has a word study, and I love the way he phrased this word conform. This is what he says. Stop assuming an outward expression which is patterned after this world, an expression which does not come from within, nor is representative of what you are in your being as a regenerate child of God. I love this. He says, quit conforming. Stop putting on a mask. Stop being something that you are not as a child of God. We're to live out. We're to be transformed. We're to live out what God has done in our lives. And so Paul is saying here, don't let the values, the norms of this world affect the way you live. Stop living the the world's mottos. I don't get mad. I get even. Stop! What does the Bible say? Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. I will repay. I'll take care of that. You stop. That's the world's view, not a Christian's view. How about everyone's doing it? So why can't I? Stop! You know, you know how parents say, well, if all your friends jump off a cliff, would you? You know? You know, the parents. But really, I mean, come on. Do we not do that too? How about, I deserve fill in the blank. Right? This is what I deserve. Really? You know what we really deserve? But you know what we've received? God's grace. That amazing grace that we sound about. Listen, don't let the values, the thoughts of this world affect the way you live. That is exactly what Paul's saying. Don't let this, this zygest, I think that's the word, this mosh pit of all their values that's floating out there affect the way you live as a child of God. And it's clear, because when we do, when we buy into an ungodly worldview, then we're putting on a mask of who we are as, Jesus, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, listen, don't stop. And look, we are exposed to this every day. We all know this. The values of this world we cannot escape. They're in front of us every day. We drive down the street. There's bulletin boards, right? The billboards everywhere. They're promoting values. I turn on the radio. I hear the music. They're promoting values. I turn on TV. The shows have a plot. They're promoting a value. Don't buy into it. That's what Paul is saying. Don't buy into those ungodly values that the world promotes. So what do we do? How do we become transformed? Our inner redeemed nature is to manifest in an outward way in the way I live. So how does that happen? How do I get rid of these hang-ups? 
How do I get past my sinful inclinations? How do I deal with the fact that I'm always pressured by the world to conform to their pattern? How do we deal with this? Well, Paul says, here's how we deal with it. We renew our minds. We're to renew our minds. You know, the Bible says that when I came to Christ in saving faith, I became a new creation. And I totally believe that. The old is past, and that is true. I've been transferred to the kingdom of light, and I'm no longer under the penalty and power of sin. But here's the thing. My thinking did not instantaneously change. I still have some of those same patterns of thoughts running between my ears. And sometimes those ruts of the old life are not always easy to get rid of. They're just not. And it's really in the mind where our new nature in Christ and our old humanness, where they intermix. Guys, the battle is between our ears. It's in our mind. That's where the struggle to live a godly life, to live a life of worship or not to, that's where the war wages. Wages? Rages? What did I say? Wages? Rages. All right. Rages. There you go. We need a new orientation in thinking that will result in a new orientation in behavior. And that is exactly what Paul is saying here. So let's finish reading verse 2. Notice, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So how do we renew our mind? Where do we start? Well, I want you to think about when it rains, and this year we've had quite a bit of it. You have a mountaintop, and the rain falls down. And how does it come down off the mountain? Well, usually it kind of goes in these, like, I don't know, I want to say rivers, maybe, but sometimes, depending on how much water, I guess, it kind of does these patterns, these, I don't know what you call them, uh, channels, if you please, okay? And so you can see them. And then, you know, if you've got a little hill, you can see where the water ran down the hill. You can see the channels. And if it does it enough, what happens? Those channels get deeper. They get deeper. Okay. Well, that's like our mind. That's the way we've, we've had these experiences. We think certain ways. And the more we think, the more these Thoughts get ingrained into our mind. It's, it's habit. This is the way we think. So how do we get rid of those, those ruts, those old thinking habits that just cause us to react in wrong ways? Well, if we go back to our illustration about the mountain and rain, I guess you could take a bulldozer and just level that out, right? And let the rain start in new patterns. But we can't do that with our mind, right? You can't just bulldoze everything out. So how do we deal with these ruts? Well, I think what we do is, first of all, we build a dam and say no to wrong thoughts. 
Now, another way to stop the river water coming from the mountain is to, to build a dam. If it's going down that same rut, stop it from there. Stop it. Put a dam up. Say, no, the water will not go down this way. And then what do we do? We take the other step. We redirect the flow and say, I want it to go this way. And it's the same is true with our minds. It's the same thing. We need to stop those thoughts, that thinking that is just wrong, and redirect our thoughts in a way that is positive. Because this is where the battle lies. It lies within our minds. You say no, you say yes. You put off, you put on. This is exactly what we were talking about when we went through Ephesians in the fall. In fact, I want us to look at a verse. In Ephesians 4.28, here we have this, this situation. When is a thief not a thief? Well, we can put him in jail and physically stop him from going out and stealing. But what happens when he's released? Unless there's a new inclination of the heart, unless there's this now, I know this is wrong, I will not do it again, guess what? He'll be tempted to go steal again. So what are we to do? We're to put on and put off. Put off and put on. Notice, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. There's the no. There's the put off. Okay, stop. Stop doing that. But he doesn't just leave it there. Notice, but must work, do something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Here's the put on. Instead of doing this, they're to work and they're to give. Right the reverse of taking and stealing. Now, this is where we blow it a lot of times in the way we do things. We always say, well, I don't want to think this way. I don't want to do that. So we say no. But what we fail to do is say yes to something else to replace it. There's a yes to it. There's a, okay, I don't want to be angry I'm not going to think these angry thoughts, so what should I do now to replace that? Well, maybe if you get angry at someone and you're dealing with this emotion, then why don't you flip it and start praying for them and saying, God, pray for that. Help that person. Help me deal with them. Flip it. Don't sit there and dwell in the anger. Go over and confess it to God and think about the positive. Flip it. Put off, put on. And this is where we just, we don't do it. We want it. We don't want to go this route, but we don't do the steps to go the other route. Put off, put on. Create a dam, redirect the flow. That is what we have to do with these patterns of thought. We've got to stop the negative things that come in that keep feeding in our minds and refocus, rethink. Put our thoughts on God. Now, here's the thing, and I totally believe this. It is God who transforms our minds. It is God who does this. It is God who helps us live out who we are to be in Christ. But the responsibility we have is to allow God to do that. And so how do we do this? Well, let me tell you, you know, Bible, getting in the word of God is not just for you to be great at jeopardy. 
It isn't just for knowledge. The Bible, we get Bible studies to transform your life. And so those negative thoughts that you deal with, you need to get into God's word and redirect those thoughts. But we don't look at Bible study like that. And that's unfortunate. God's word is here to transform our lives. We're to let the word of God saturate our hearts and our minds that will affect the way we live. So this transformation is just not wishful thinking. It's a deliberate act of our will to redirect, to get in God's word, to help us do what is right. Notice the way Paul writes this in Colossians, and I really like this. Colossians chapter 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Since you're a child of God, notice, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now right there, our affection should be for the things of God. Amen? Amen. But listen... There's a battle for our hearts. There's a battle. We need to understand this. We need to guard our hearts, the Bible says. We need to to seek those things above. But notice, he keeps on. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's our act. That's a choice of our will to do this. To set our minds on things above. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we're to set our minds on things above. Well, how do I put my mind on things above? Well, guys, it's being in God's word. That's how we know about things above. That's where I find God's promises that say, look, Eric, don't get mad and get even. Trust me because I'll work it out. See how that works? Instead of buying into the world's philosophy, well, you've got hurt, you need to go out there and strike them even harder. No, you believe what God's word says and says, look, Eric, you've just let it go and I'll take care of it. Trust me. Trust me. Or when we think, ah, you know what, I, I, I deserve this, I don't, I don't have it, I need to go get it, and you, we do whatever it is to get it, instead of trusting God and say, look, I'll provide for all your needs. Same thing. We've got to be in God's word to help transform our lives. We have to be constantly thinking biblical thoughts. Not let the world squeeze us into their mold. And so this is where it begins. It requires us to be into God's word. But notice, Galatians 3.5 also says one other thing in the very next verse. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he goes on a list, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He says, look, put them to death. Now here's the thing. Old thoughts, old patterns of thinking, they just don't die naturally. We have to constantly put them to death. When those thoughts come up, take them captive and redirect your thoughts. That's scripture. 
That's how God will transform us, is when we don't allow our minds to go down those paths. We redirect our thoughts. So there's a responsibility that we have. We have to deliberately kill them off. Kill off those thoughts and kill off those habits that are wrong and redirect our thoughts to God's word. And it's through God's word that the Holy Spirit will transform our lives. That's how this happens. That's how this works. You know, we don't come here each week for no reason. There's a lot of reasons that we come together to give praise to our great God. But another reason we come together is so that we can be in God's word to recharge us, to help us keep on that right path. And you know what? When we're with each other, just anywhere, it should be the same thing. We ought to be counseling and comforting and encouraging one another. How? Through God's word. So what? So why? So that we can keep doing the right things. The right things. When we feel tempted, when we feel guilty, we need to go back to Scripture where it says, I will not give you more than you can handle. Confess your sins. I will forgive you. All those great promises of God. That's where we go. We need to allow our minds to evaluate the situation and our wills to act deliberately and accordingly. Deliberately and accordingly. And so when our minds are saturated with God's word, then the Spirit will carry out the rest of verse 2 in helping us to live out God's perfect will in our lives. Well, where do we go from here? You know, I liked, if you have the book, the Living, Healing Choices book, I actually like the illustration that John Baker uses to, to kind of summarize this chapter. He talks about if you were in a boat, and you're in this boat, and, and the autopilot is going east, but you decide you want to go west. So you take that handle and you turn it this way. And you, you fight and you struggle, but you got the boat going west. And you're just hanging on, gripping it. What happens though when you let it go? The boat will go back east because that's the way the autopilot is. Well, that's what happens a lot of times in our lives with these, this bad thinking, these ruts in our mind. We try to force it. But what is the answer? The answer is to change the autopilot. And so it is with our lives. The answer is for us to redirect and change our thinking. That's the answer. It's to let the Holy Spirit renew our minds. To change our inclinations of the heart. To change our desires to be more like God. That's exactly what we should be doing. He sums up the chapter with a couple things, and I just want to kind of point out, changing the autopilot. Number one, focus on God's power, not your willpower. Go to God's word. Trust him. Let the spirit do a work in your heart and in your mind. Let him renew you. Focus on his power. Salvation is of God. Number two, Focus on the good things, not the bad. Here we go. Take captive of your thoughts. The Bible says it in Philippians, right? We're to think on those that are good and true and pure. 
But how many times do we allow the world's evil bad influence our minds? How much do we open up the door of our minds to that stuff? Honestly, it reveals a little bit of where our hearts are when we do that. Focus on the good. Think on good things. Guard your hearts. Don't let the world tell you, hey, this is what you got to do to be acceptable. This is what you got to do to be whatever. No. You are who you are because of Jesus Christ. Let that define you. Don't let the world define you. Number three. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. Doing good, not feeling good. You know, so many times we are just driven by our feelings. Feelings come to all of us naturally. But let your minds dictate how you will act on your feelings. Let God's word saturate your mind to help you deal with those negative feelings that come out in your lives. I remember reading, I think it was Oswald Chambers that says, you know, keep praying till you start praying. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but you start praying and your mind is just going all over. And it's like, just keep praying, keep praying till you really start praying. How many times have you just gone, hey, I don't want to go to church this morning. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And you get here and guess what? Your feelings catch up and you're, you did the right thing. You show up, you're here praising God and your feelings catch up and you go, man, I am so glad I was here. Your feelings will catch up. Do good. Let your feelings catch up with you. Quickly, I'm running out of time. Focus on people who will not hinder. You know, one of the problems in dealing with habits and wrong thinking is we hang around people that keep us in those ruts. Keep us in those ruts. Sometimes you've got to set a boundary. You've got to put a barrier up with people who keep you going in that negative pattern. That's a big thing with a lot of people dealing with, with stuff that they just they want to get rid of it, but they just can't. It's because they're hanging around with friends that are taking them down that path, and they're just not a lot wanting to let it go. Focus on people who will help, not hinder. And finally, focus on progress, not perfection. It's one step at a time. One step at a time. Let God help you win that one battle. And guess what? He'll help you win the next battle. And he'll help you win that same battle again. And eventually those battles will get easier as time goes on. But one step at a time. One, how do you eat the elephant? One bite at a time. That's exactly what it is with this. One step at a time. Listen, God can provide us healing. And we can live lives that are for his glory and they're transformed. He can help us get beyond our hurts and our hang-ups. But guys, we've got to do what we've been talking about. We've got to admit that we have those problems. We've got to realize that God is the source of our help. We've got to make a commitment and say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm committing this to you. And then we've got to be in God's word and allow his spirit to transform our lives. If we want to heal, if we want to live godly lives, that's what has to happen. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you again for the truths that are found in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly live our lives in a way that brings you glory and honor. I pray, Father, this morning for the one who may be here who is struggling with some hurts and some hang-ups and they just can't get rid of it. 
I pray, Father, today that this would be the, the time that they commit to you, that they truly admit their problems, that they give them to you, and that they set their mind in your word, that they will not let the world keep them conform to an image that is not pleasing to you, but they would tr be transformed and truly live out who they are as one of your children. So I pray, Father, that if we're struggling with hurts and hang-ups, that today would be the day that we find healing. And Lord, I pray for the one who may be here this morning that does not know you as Savior, the one who's never truly confessed their sins and have found life in you. Father, I pray today that you would work on their hearts. And may they come to you in saving faith. Lord, just bless us as a church to live in a way that brings you glory and honor. We'll give you praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. I don't know what's on your hearts this morning. Maybe you are struggling with a hurt, a hang-up. You need to give it to God. Listen, start there. Go to him and say, God, help me with this. Then commit to doing it his way. And you'll find healing from your hurt. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'd love to talk with you about him. What a great God he is. Whatever your need is, as we sing.